Welcome to Seaside 101 Season 2. We're your hosts, Brody Hillman, Ryan Barroza, and Abby Nofield. This podcast is a collaboration between Seaside High School Future Business Leaders of America and the City of Seaside. For Season 2 of this podcast, we are going to continue to deep dive into what makes Seaside, Seaside. Our goal is to educate the public and inspire people to get involved in their communities. On today's episode of Seaside 101, we will be talking about new city government. For our first guest of today's episode, we will be talking to Seth Morrissey. Seth Morrissey is a counselor for the city of Seaside and also runs a business of his own. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks for having me. My name is Seth Morrissey and I'm city councilor Ward 3 and 4 for Seaside. So I'm one of seven city councilors. We all have equal power to um, kind of be the policy head of the city. I am elected by a certain portion of the city of Seaside, but I represent everybody that lives here and to a lesser extent, the businesses and the, the visitors and tourists to our community. Right on. And so when they say wards, how do they divide the city up? It's complicated, but there's like east of 101 and then it's the middle of town's divided. So it's like a pie divided four ways and we all are elected from our own ward. Okay. So I represent two wards. I live east of 101, but I represent two wards. Um, but the idea here is you want to have people from each area of town represented because if you don't, you have a situation where like all the affluent people live up on the hill and that's who runs the whole city. So they make sure you grab someone Mm -hmm. from every area of town. Awesome. What is your role in Seaside's government? So we are the head of the government if it was a hierarchy, but we have a very limited scope and role. We are um, in charge of basically setting policy and creating laws and all those things. But it's not like I can go around and when I see a guy, one of the public works guys emptying garbages, tell him what to do. So we, we're at the very top, but we only deal with the city manager. So we basically lead, guide, and direct the city manager, and then he delegates to all the department heads and, and different folks that work for the city. So in, in a way, we are the very top, but we're very limited because we have what's called a weak mayor, strong city manager form of government in the sense that we are volunteers, so I don't get paid to do this. And so we have kind of a limited scope because we're not paid and we just kind of lead the city manager. And we also hire the city attorney and the municipal judge. What plans might you have as a city? Lots, lots of plans. It, how many of those I can execute is to be determined. But um, I, I was first elected in 2014, and I did a six-year term in city council, and it was a very different world then. That was pre-COVID. And then I, I was a city councilor through COVID, and then I took some time off. And now that I've been back, the homelessness situation has gotten very out of hand. So that's kind of my main objective i'd say that that's probably number one number two is workforce housing but that's kind of already in the pipeline of being solved i'd say my number one high level goal is to be the best possible interface between the local residents and the the city employees and i think there's this kind of stigma in our community where a lot of the local residents and this isn't everybody but a lot of the local residents feel that city government doesn't listen to them they feel like they're just here to represent the business community not really the the locals. And so I was born and raised here, lived here my whole life. So my goal is to bridge that gap and really try to represent the locals that you know live in this community and make them feel like we're actually working for them and not just the business community. Not that the business community isn't important. I represent them too, but I'm trying to just kind of move the pendulum back to the middle. And what are some of the city's plans in terms of the houselessness crisis? So right now there's not really any plans Mm -hmm. governor kotek just came out with like a statewide state of emergency saying hey we have this big issue but we were left off the list of basically counties that received any aid or any help so right now there's really no plans we're working on those probably over the next week because we have what's called our goal setting i'm sure steve talked to you guys Mm -hmm. about that but that comes up this weekend 
our first plan is to try to petition the governor to actually give us aid and, and like resources to deal with it because this is an issue that we don't really have any way to deal with it. Homeless don't really have a lot of services in our community. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's, you know, it's humane to let people camp outside all year in Seaside. I don't know how much camping you guys have done in the winter, but it's brutal. And so we need to kind of transition these people off of living in tents. And there's, I'd say there's a certain constituency out there that thinks that we just give them and, you know, whatever they need and just let them camp forever. But I don't think that's a long-term solution. So I'm not down with that. I'm trying to get people resources so they can actually be a contributing member of society. So my goal is to kind of move these people along from whatever is holding them stuck as, you know, homeless in the first place and why they're camping outdoors in the winter in Seaside and kind of get them into shelters and then hopefully get them a job and get them kind of back on their feet. So that's my goal. How we're going to do that, I don't know. Was there any particular reason why Seaside was left off that list for financial aid? So Seaside was not the only place left off the list. Pretty much like three quarters of the state was, but she's really focused on the metro. So she's focused on Portland. She's focused on Eugene. And we're just kind of out here on the coast. And I think we're just kind of an afterthought. So we're going to kind of raise our voice and try to get some of that aid coming into us so we have some resources to take care of these folks. What makes this city unique and why do you want to work here? Well, technically, I don't work. I'm a volunteer. I own a marketing agency, and that's what I do, you know, 50 hours a week. I got three children. That's my second job. And then third, I volunteer at the city. So um, the reason I want to be involved in volunteering is because, one, I, I lived here my whole life. I love it. I've traveled and lived other places, and there's no place I'd rather be. I love to surf. I love the mountains. I love everything about this area. Um, I think it's unique in the sense that our economy is almost entirely based off tourism. Back in the day, you know, we used to be a logging and fishing community. That's still there, but Seaside more and more has developed to more of like a tourist community. And so we're unique in that sense that our money comes from, you know, people from out of the area, but a lot of the local residents aren't really down with people always being in town and town packed because, you know, it kind of, in a way, if you do too much tourism, it ruins the standard of living for the folks that, that live here full time. As you guys probably know, trying to drive around can be a pain. So I think we're just unique in the sense that that's where our, our um, you know, our, our economic base comes from, but we have to balance the needs of the local residents with the tourists. So that's kind of always the, the fight that we have at city council. What do you think the most important aspect of being a city councilor is? The most important aspect in my view is to represent my bosses, the people that vote for me on that ballot. So are you guys 18 yet? I am. Okay, so you... I did vote. Yeah, you were my boss. So that's the way I look at it. And a lot of people get in there and it's like, hey, I'm elected. I'm going to do what I want and then vote me out if you don't like me. That's not the mentality I take at all. I'm literally, you know, on the streets trying to represent every single person that voted for me every day. So I, I listen to all that feedback and I take it all into consideration. I have my own opinions and stuff. And obviously, you know, if stuff gets sketchy kind of like it did at COVID I'm going to hold the line on certain things but at the end of the day I'm here to represent you guys well actually you only because you're 18 uh, you, you guys soon if you do ever become into the the you know are able to vote but yeah that's my that's my biggest uh, objective is just to represent the people that live in this community and do the best I can for them and then where can people learn more about our city government where should they go with the questions they have how do how do they get their concerns to you or to the city council and how does it get addressed from there? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, you go to city council meetings, have you guys ever been? They're not the, they're not the most entertaining, um, but you know, if there's an important issue that is coming up on that agenda, then you definitely should be there. 
the best way to communicate with us is through email or calls. A lot of folks aren't really comfortable getting up and speaking at a city council meeting because you're in front of people and you know all the eyes are on you. So I think a lot of people are held back from engaging in this process because of that fear. And so if that's the case, then send us a letter, shoot us an email, call us, or just track me down. You can find me. I'm around town. And um, just definitely let us know because really at the end of the day, uh, the seven of us, and it actually only takes four of us to control the entire city. So really, if you can convince four of us of anything, anything can get done. What inspired you to pursue a career in the city government? Yeah, so I'm, I definitely am not a politician and I do not have a career in city <laughs> government. So I own a marketing agency. But the reason I volunteer, um, we'll get a little deep with you guys, okay? Try to not get you kicked off Spotify or whatever you put this on. So the reason I'm involved right now is couplefold. Uh, one, I just always gravitate to leadership positions. So that's where I see you know, my role. But really what we're coming into right now is what's considered the fourth turning. Have you guys ever heard of that? Okay, so the fourth turning is where more is going to happen and change in the next three years than in the last 100, right? So we're at that inflection point where everything, the entire future is being decided right now whether you like it or not. You guys are like right on the cutting edge of that. And so my goal is to be in that leadership role while this is going on at the most important time in history because I want to be the one that helps because I, I want to help people. And so I want to be the one that helps guide the city and the world, you know, in a bigger sense into the correct direction during this period. So take it back to you guys. So you guys are learning all this stuff and, you know, eventually going to go off to college or, you know, go to whatever you're going to do. But a lot of that stuff you guys might be learning now or even in college will become irrelevant by the time you actually get out to go to use it because everything's changing so quick with AI and everything that's coming online. So it's, it's just at that critical point where it's so important for everyone to get involved. Me personally, I, as I said, I gravitate to leadership, but that's not the only way to get involved. So whether it's volunteering for beach cleanups or you know, when you, the commissions or the food bank or, you know, it's just important that everybody does something wherever they feel called to get involved in their community. And this is just where I feel comfortable. And obviously not everyone's going to feel comfortable in this role, but it's just critical for everyone to kind of get out there and, and get involved in your community and give back. And so that's what's important to me. What are some challenges you encounter in your position? Uh, lots. So I was, I was in this role during COVID in a different seat. And so when the lockdowns came down and all that started going on, um, I was very outspoken about that because um, I just have certain boundaries that I, I didn't want to see crossed. And so that was a challenge because there's this huge sense of fear in some people. And then there's other people who had a fear of what the, the system was kind of bringing down. So you have these two competing ideologies trying to bridge that gap is very challenging and try to be that middle person that, that doesn't get um, you know, too much heat from either side. And so kind of bridging that gap. Right now, I'd say the biggest challenge is definitely homelessness. So we're kind of past the COVID area, hopefully. And so the homelessness issue is going to be the biggest challenge because what we, we're dealing with is we have a state law that says these folks can live on the street or we have to find a place for them. So that's one thing we're dealing with, but then the community doesn't want people living on the street. It's not, you know, it's not humane, it's not safe to have people just taking over public space. It's not sanitary, it's an environmental nightmare. So trying to navigate state law that says we can't deal with this issue and then trying to deal with this issue 
it's like an impossible task. It's it's the unstoppable for, force versus like a brick wall, you know. So it's like how do we how do we deal with this? And I don't know if there is a solution, but that's the biggest challenge right now is just trying to figure out how we can help these people, you know, get off the street um, legally and not get in trouble with the state of Oregon. And so couple questions with that what are some of your um current short-term goals and your long-term goals and like what did you accomplish in your past years as a city councilor that you want to continue to build off of well what did I accomplish before let's start with that one um I feel like I navigated you know with the help of my fellow city councilors the city very well through the whole COVID era. Um, one of the things that really bothered me is when they shut down our parks, our beaches, our waterways, and all those things. And so I was very vocal about getting that back open because I think as taxpayers and residents of Seaside, we have a right to go to our public space. And I don't think anyone should kick us off those. So that was the thing I'm most proud of is opening back the city up. Um, as far as goals moving forward, uh, one of my goals is always to keep the financial burden on the folks in the city as low as possible because you know, a lot of us are, you know, fine financially, but there's a lot of people that are really struggling. So how do we implement the services we need to do and not put an undue burden on those folks that are really having a hard time making ends meet? So I'm always cognizant of that. Um, but then the other goal, obviously, is just going to deal with homeless because that's the biggest issue of our, you know, definitely this decade right now. I mean, have you guys been to Portland lately? Yeah. Okay, so my goal is to not have Seaside turn into Portland. So how can we do that in a humane way? How do you work with others to promote growth within our city? Yeah, it's, uh, I read books like How to Win Friends and Influence People. You guys read that book? <laughs> Put it on your list. Yeah. So I definitely, even if I disagree with someone and even if they are coming at me in a way that I should snap at them and tell them to get in line, I always work with them. I, I, just, I just always move towards the positive and how we can work together. So that's the biggest thing is um, never, never being that person that's like, confrontational as I absolutely have to be with everybody so I always try to just work really well and find where we can agree and where we can collaborate and some people that's very small and then other people it's on everything so I like I said you only need four votes to control the city so four out of seven is all you really got to do to get the something you want done and so I find the people that I can work with I find the issues we can work with and I organize and then get it done because it's one thing for me to go around and listen to you guys like you want this done you want this done you want this done um, but if I'm not actually going to the city and implementing it and, and being effective in executing it, then it's worthless. So I listen and then I execute. If someone wanted to bring something to the city council and have uh, city councilors listen to it and vote on it, how do they do something like that? Is that something the city decides? <clears throat> Depends on the issue. So the mayor sets the agenda. So I can petition the mayor to set the agenda, but the, we have seven people and we're all equal except for the fact the mayor sets the agenda with the uh, council president. So he really chooses what goes on the agenda. Four of us can vote to force an item on the agenda. So if let's say we wanted to do something and he didn't want to do it, we could force it on the agenda. But he sets the agenda. If you guys want to get something done, it depends on what it is. If it's something that is very obvious, then you would just email us and you'd say, hey, can we get this on the agenda? Like let's say you're a nonprofit and you want us to do X, Y, Z and everyone agrees on it. That's how you do it. If it's something more controversial, like let's say, I'm not going to say anything specific, but let's say it's something controversial that you want to get done, I'd say the best path forward is instead of us as a counselor pushing it, you go out and you get like a petition or you come to city council with like 30 of you and you speak. So it's like there's 
us up here, and then there's the grassroots. So to really get something done that's controversial, you need to have pressure from below and pressure from above. So you would need to have us on board, but you'd also need to have the community on board at the same time. Like we can ramp stuff through as a council, but the best way to do it is to have both. So in other words, if it's something controversial, get a petition, get 100 signatures, bring it to us. That's how you'd force it on. And our final question for you today is who or what inspires you the most? Wow, wasn't expecting this one. <laughs> who inspires me? <laughs> I'm, I'm a big kind of like motivation. I'm not going to name it a specific, but I'm a big like motivational, like positive energy type guy. So just all the people you can think of. I mean, Bob Proctor, Tony Robbins, I've listened to them all. I'm really like, you guys know about the law of attraction? Mm -hmm. You guys heard about this? Okay, yeah. so it's like I'm trying to fill my brain with as much positive information as possible because I'm trying to override all the potential negative out there. So anyone that's preaching anything positive and uplifting, that's who I'm gravitating towards. And I'm trying to take as many of their attributes into myself and push it forward into the world. Right on. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. For our second guest of today's episode, we will be talking to Seaside's Mayor, Steve Wright. Well, welcome. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Steve Wright, and I've lived in Seaside for eight years now. You know, I've visited many times before that with my, well, even before I was married, then with my wife and then with our three kids. And then back to just me and the wife. And uh, we decided to buy a house here in 2012. Ended up retiring uh, actually early and then moved here full-time in 2014. Where were you at before you came? I was in the Portland area. The uh, I worked for a grain exporter the last 35 years worth at the same company. And the last 15 of that, I was the chief financial officer. So in charge of finances, obviously, and but HR and computers and all that as well. So therefore, you know, podcasting is you know, a great thing. <laughs> and what made you want to become mayor? I didn't want to become mayor. <laughs> at, at the time I moved here, I made a list of things that I wanted to do. And I think number one, well, number one on the list was work at the museum and get involved in history because it's always been a, a lifelong thing. Number two was be an Astoria Riverfront trolley motorman. Really? Yeah. You get to drive a train. I mean, come on. You know, what's better than that? I had a lifelong interest in railroads, too. And, you know, you don't have to have a lot of experience. You mm -hmm. just basically have to have a driver's license. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you don't steer it. So, you know, there's no issue with that. You just know when to stop and go. And that's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Plus, there's a history component to it because you talk about what's going on, the history of Astoria. The city government was not on the list whatsoever. Because of my background, I had to deal with a lot of city, state, and federal government things. And usually they weren't the most pleasant. However, I met one of the former mayors, uh, Don Larson, before he passed away. He was actually somebody I knew from back in the Portland area 20, 30 years ago. So that was interesting. And after I'd lived here for a year, he encouraged me to join the planning commission. I said, well, I'm not really interested in city government, but I did it to please him. And I thought, oh, well, this is kind of interesting. So I joined the planning commission. And fortunately, he passed away. And I had a chance then to join the city council. So I've been on the council for the past, uh, since 2017. I was council president the last two years. And then our former mayor, Jay Barber, really encouraged me to run for mayor. 
and I was a little hesitant, but I decided to go ahead and do it. You know, somebody's got to do it. It was nice because it turned out I was unopposed. So 1,900 people voted for me, and about 95 wrote in Donald Duck or something else. So. <laughs> what are some of the things that the mayor does? The mayor is at least somewhat kind of a public figure as far as uh, representing the city of Seaside. You know, you'll do things like people invite you to ribbon cuttings and business mm-hmm. openings and that kind of thing, or, you know, to kick off some kind of program. The mayor's main function is to really is to run city council meetings. We have those meetings twice a month on the second and fourth Mondays. You know, I'm just the one that leads the meeting, making sure we go through legally the agenda that we've got in front of us and make sure it's nice and try to keep everybody under control and not too wild and hopefully move it along quickly because I don't like having meetings just for meetings' sake. You know, that, that's kind of it. We, I work with the city manager and some of the staff to set the agenda for the meeting. But other city councilors can certainly suggest agenda items, too. What new plans do you have as the new mayor of Seaside, and how may they differ from previous ones? I don't really have new plans because I've been on the council already. I'm fully involved in what's going on. The thing that the council does every two years, and it's the year after a general election, so we're right in the midst of it now. We're going to be setting uh, goals for the the city, for the city council to try to implement over the next two years with a little bit of looking four years out as well. We do this every two years. And so right now we're, we're getting ready for that process. Actually, we meet with the department heads, many of which you may have already uh, talked to and certainly did in the first set of podcasts. They're going to tell us what they hope to see happen over the next couple of years, um, mostly focused on the budget, which is also a big thing for the city. We'll go from there. I can guarantee housing for our workforce here is going to be really high priority on the list. Already is, that's kind of been my focus over the last couple of years, is to see what we can do just to educate the council and uh, the citizens. What can we do about getting more housing here? Because it's a critical need. Where can people learn about our city government and where should they go with the questions they might have? The city council, the rest of the council. When I I say council, there, there are six councilors and they represent different areas of the city. And then there's a mayor and I represent the whole city. You can come to any of us. The best place to really start is the city website. You can go and learn all kinds of things about the city there. And there you will actually find the mayor and the city councilor's pictures so you can see what we look like. Hopefully that doesn't scare you away. But yeah, we uh, all our contact information is there. We encourage people to come to our city council meetings. You can actually go to any board, committee, commission meeting you want to. They're all public meetings. They're not, not hidden. We don't do things in secret here. That's uh, following state law. You can also, uh, the city has a YouTube channel, so if you'd rather not come to a meeting or it just is not convenient, doesn't meet your schedule, you can watch the meetings online. That's a great way to do it. You know, our planning commission is another one. Uh, it's a great place to learn how properties, how you decide to use properties and things like that. Just reach out to us. Frankly, I would wish that more people your age, young adults, would uh, get involved. There are many ways you can do that. Uh, number one, just by attending. Merrick is his name, Mm -hmm. uh, is 
our the mm-hmm. school's rep to the council. You know, unfortunately, it's you know you're a senior, and I know how that goes. <laughs> I've I've watched many seniors here at the high school. You're just so busy, and you have so much going on. You know, like this podcast. But it would be great to have a voice of a younger set of people come and address us, be involved. And I'd dearly love to put the word out, let people know that that's an option that's available. What are some of the most important things Or what are some of the things you think are most important for young people like us to learn from city government? I think mainly just how it works and how much is involved there. One thing that a lot of people just don't recognize is we're all volunteers. We're not paid. We're doing this for the fun of it, if you believe that. But we we have an interest of making sure our city runs properly and is well run, and a lot of that's up to our department heads and the city manager, assistant city manager. We have a, a great crew doing all that work. The interesting thing that has, has not happened in years here in Seaside is that we had a lot of the higher level staff were all the same age. And unfortunately, you all then get to age 65 or so when it's retirement time at the same time. (laughs) So we have had a turnover that um, is unprecedented, I think. You know, we have a lot of new positions filled now. Our our city manager has been here now for about six months, and he's doing a tremendous job. Our assistant city manager is one of the carryovers, and it's tremendously great to have John uh, continue on and help us through. But, you know, we're right now we're looking for a new library director. Our public works director is going to retire at the end of the month, although we're trying to delay that as much (laughs) as possible. I think there's, it seems like there was one other one. Oh, we're trying to, uh, we're looking for new legal counsel as well. Right now, that's what we're working on. Those three city staff is is trying to help us make a decision on those. And that was actually one of the reasons I wanted to run, was simply to have some continuity carrying over to make sure that we can get through that. I'm really excited because I think we have a really great set of new people going forward. We have a tremendous legacy from a previous city manager Mark Winstanley and the people that got us to this point, the former mayor, Jay Barber, we're in a great spot to jump off for the future. And so far, I think it's it's going to be a great uh, set of people to work with starting 2023. And that's what we'll start with goal setting tomorrow. And then uh, the city council meets on the following Saturday for an all-day session just to hammer out what we think the important goals are. So I'm excited about our future. Like I said, uh, we're in great shape as far as finances and things like that because of where we're at. I want to keep that. I don't want to lose that. What makes the city unique to you and why do you enjoy working here? You mean volunteering here? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Seaside's always been a favorite for our family, like I said before, because it's the closest place to the beach from the Portland area. I love it in particular, not so much for the beach. I love the beach, but not nearly as much as my wife does or my granddaughters and <laughs> grandchildren. I really like the history side of it. This is the first place, really, that Lewis and Clark stayed at, you know, starting from there. We had the, the Clats of Nehalem that lived here in years before that, you know, all the stories that they have to tell. And then all the things that have happened since then. It's a quieter place than the Portland area. Much 
much quieter. The people are, are just so friendly. Uh, you know, we had that two-year period where we just came like on weekends or whatever, and, and I could walk up into town and go to the coffee shop, and Michelle would recognize me the second time I was there and say, you want another Americano? It, it's just amazing that I did not see that as much in the Portland area. Now, I was working full-time in a career and all that, so I maybe didn't have as much opportunity, but just the small-town feel that Seaside has. With all the other opportunities, like, you know, we have big events here. My personal favorite, I think, uh, well, there's a lot of favorites, but like Pouring at the Coast, and it was called Sweet Affair, and it's called something else now, and the, the Iron Chef goes coastal, and they're, you know, they're really fundraisers, and I was really impressed by how much money they raised from people that just live here in Seaside. They're fun events to go to and fun events to give away money. Just meet with people and, and get to know people. My involvement with the museum came about simply because I moved in across the street from uh, Lynn that was the treasurer at the time. And she came over, I think, the first day we were unloading a truck to put some of our, our beach home stuff there and said, you know, if you want to get involved somewhere or want to help out, we got this little museum here in town. You know, I've been the president of the board of the museum now uh, since about 20. 15 because uh, I like I like to joke but it's because I was the youngest person you know <laughs> I was 60 I was the youngest person <laughs> what do you think is the most important aspect of being the mayor and why I think the the voice or the the not the voice the the face of the council and knowing people you know recognize you as that it you know it's not really a status thing it's certainly not a money thing since <laughs> you don't get paid for it but uh, I, I walk around town a lot and think you know this city is important and what can we do and so a lot of my job I think is bringing people together doing a podcast like this is part of that I think you guys are doing a tremendous job because you are educating the rest of the residents about what seaside is like and how it works and how it operates you know I just want to keep doing that being out there you know getting to know people finding out a lot of people have really good ideas and they just think I don't want to tell anybody about that it's a dumb idea there's no dumb ideas and you know sometimes that just needs to be tweaked a little bit and it's a great idea idea. Charging stations at the Seaside Downtown Development Association meeting this morning. And, you know, that's that's another thing we've got to worry about and we got to plan for and figure out how we're going to do that because we want people to still keep coming. If they're in electric cars and they can't charge to get back home, you know, they're not going to come. So, you know, just little things like that that are going to be things we need to look at down down the road. If there were a couple key things that you would want people to know about Seaside or know about the opportunities they have here, what would those be? I guess that we're a, a friendly town and we enjoy having tourists come here. You know, there, there are people that say, you know, it's not really a, a good thing to have so many people here. But they provide a lot of the background funding and things like that to help the city operate and keep it safe and keep the roads in good shape uh, for the residents that live here full time like us good thing, bad thing type of thing, but you need to look at the good points of it and recognize that that brings a tremendous benefit to us in that, you know, people hear about, uh, like Hood to Coast, for instance. We've had instances where people have talked about meeting people in London that talked to, you know, oh, Seaside, Oregon, that's where that Hood to Coast run is. 
you know, that's crazy, amazing. I like having Seaside be famous like that and people being able to come here and have a, a great time and take good memories home with them. And, you know, if they happen to stop at the museum and learn about the history, great. There's a lot of, of interesting things around here, events to go to. Our convention center is amazing for the amount of things that go on there that are available to the public. So another reason to come here. Where are some of your short-term goals and maybe your long-term goals? Short-term right now is is, uh, like I mentioned, we need a library director. You know, the assistant's filling in, uh, filling in right now, but we need a library director, and, and we're getting some candidates to look at that. We're really going to need a good public works director. Dale has been so amazing and uh, done so much for the city, and just, yeah, he's been here, you know, just a little bit less than me, so a, sh- a shorter time, and we are going to have a dickens of a time filling his shoes. I, I think that person's out there, and I think we can find somebody. Public works, the library, uh, hiring new legal counsel, those are all you know things we need right now. And so I want to get those done. And then setting our goals and creating our budget for the next year. That has to be done by the end of June. Uh, and then beyond that, continue trying to figure out ways we can get some additional housing here, whether it's likely it'll be apartments because that's the most affordable unit of housing. And then we also need to you know have some that are available for people that aren't quite as, you know, they don't meet the legal requirements or the monetary requirements, I guess, to be able to afford what you call market rate housing. You know, the housing is really expensive right now. So we need to have some uh, subsidized housing, affordable housing as well. Those are the kind of the main things that are on my plate right now. And I think... What are some challenges that you encounter in your position? Sometimes, you know, and forgive me for saying this, but social media gets really crazy. And I, I maintain a kind of low presence there on purpose (laughs) because if somebody really wants to complain about something and they want to talk to me that's what I want to have happen people can say whatever they want to say on social media and, and if you engage them you get into some kind of fight I just don't feel that's productive problems, you know, just trying to figure out how to solve some of the issues like housing, people that can afford housing, but there isn't any. And then we have people that can't afford it or perhaps don't want it. And, you know, they, they have a houseless issue. Then, you know, we got we to gotta figure out how to handle that as well. And, you know, we've made some small steps in that direction, but it's still hard. And it's got to be a, a community-wide thing. And I think Seaside has shown that, you know, we're at least on moving in the right direction there. I, I don't think you'll ever solve the, the homeless situation. I think we're making some progress. And our final question for you today is who or what inspires you the most? Inspires me the most. I have a deep faith. Follow, you know, like what the Bible says, and I understand, you know, who I am personally. And so I, I try to use my faith to react to other people. There have been a lot of mentors and people that have helped me along the way. You know, I mentioned Jay Barber. I'm, he's, he's an amazing guy. Mark Winstanley has been as well, you know, the prior city manager, because he was really my first introduction to city government. My wife is always there. My wife, Patty's always there behind me, you know, supporting me, kind of staying in the background. She's not really public. I'm trying to 
she's now the first lady of Seaside, <laughs> right? So uh, getting her out more, and uh, she's she's just such a confident, quiet type person, but always there uh, supporting me. We've been married for 45 years, so it's amazing to have somebody that, like that with me. You know, you guys inspire me because I, I love seeing what you're doing here, trying to you know, just a, a little bit of education about what's going on in this tremendous city. So thank you very much. Thank, well, thank, you. thank you, you very much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming in today. That was great. Yeah. If you want to listen to more episodes of the podcast, follow us on social media or email us about the podcast. Click the Linktree link in the description of today's episode. You can also find posters with information about FBLA and the podcast located inside the businesses of today's guests. If you want to learn more about how things are run or want to get involved in your community, check out www.cityofseaside.us to stay updated on the latest of what's happening in Seaside, Oregon. Production and editing completed by Brody Hillman, Abby Nofield, and Ryan Verosa, coordinated with the help of Mike Verhos and John Rail. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Seaside 101. Once again, we're your hosts, Abby Nofield, Ryan Verosa, and Brody Hillman. Signing off until next week's episode.